Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and why you are probably not the main character of whatever story you're in. Tonight, we'll be delicately dissecting Dragon Ball episodes 123 through 132 as we float our way through the heavenly training arc. No waits required for this training session as Mr. Popo wants your full attention. I'm your host, Dayton, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi! And with the evil King Piccolo finally defeated, the world is ravaged from his terrible rule, and many of our heroes lay dead. Goku, with the help of Yajirobe, heads out to reunite with Master Korin for some much-needed guidance. Was there anything else you wanted to add before we got things started, Todd? No, I think we can just dive right into this arc. All right, well, that's going to bring us to episode 123, which is the secret of the power pole. I'm not saying it's actual pronunciation. And <laughs> this episode begins with Yamcha, Balma, and Launch creeping onto what they think is still a hot battle site, but are relieved to find an exhausted Tien coming to greet them. And you can kind of see the, the relief on their faces when they can see that the, the battle's finally over. Yeah, this this picks up immediately after the previous arc with King Piccolo just being defeated. And Tien has just kind of seen Goku on his way. So the rest of the gang is getting there a little bit late. Uh, and Tien kind of fills them in as to what happened. But Goku is already on his way with Yajirobe to see Korin and mend some of his wounds. Yeah, and this is kind of before people wake up and realize that the battle's over, and we kind of get to see this brief moment where a flood of people come racing onto the site to figure out who was the person that beat King Piccolo, and Bulma actually lets the beans spill that it was Goku who did it, and I thought that was really interesting considering I never really see Goku get credit for anything. Yeah, and even in this scenario, it's funny because as the people of this city are celebrating and they're trying to find like, Hey, who, who, who beat Piccolo? Goku's already gone. Like Balma gave his name, but they, they don't have the person there to see who actually resolved this problem. Yeah. Goku's speeding away in a car while there's this big celebration kind of happening in his honor. It's, it's pretty, I don't know, ironic. Yeah. It's kind of funny to me, but we we see uh, Yajirobe and Goku basically make it to Korin without any real issue. Um, and Goku, Goku wants some additional training, but first he needs some healing and that requires some sensu beans. Yes, the legendary sensu bean. And it takes only a few seconds before Goku's pretty much back up and in fighting form. And I did find it funny that Goku, when he arrives at Korin's uh, place and the sad shape that he was in, Korin's like, don't worry, Goku, I'll fix you up. I'll make you just fine. And Goku's like, what? No, I wasn't coming here to ask for that. I was coming here to ask if you could train me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who cares if I'm half dead? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a good time to train. Yeah, uh, apparently. But uh, yeah. Another this is also the point where Korn kind of uh, begins making some pretty big reveals, including the confirmation of the destruction of, of Shenron. 
And that's kind of a big deal because the eternal dragon is eternal no more. And so all of Goku's friends, yeah, they're they're not coming back. Master Roshi's gone. Krillin's gone. Uh, Chaosu's gone. So all of these people that we've gotten used to, there's at least right now, there's no real way to bring them back. Yeah, and we we see that Balma and the gang do have the Dragon Balls, or at least what is now just seven stone balls. Uh, they they're keeping them at Master Roshi's house, um, but Corin reveals that there might be another way to resurrect Goku's fallen comrades and starts to let some details slip about the power pole and the mysterious kami yeah he mentions to goku that if he wants to save his friends he's gonna have to meet the creator of the dragon balls and his name is kami and the only way for goku to reach kami is to use the power pole to reach kami high above Korin's tower and we also find out that this is actually why the power pole was invented. I I had no idea. See, I really like this detail. And I think you and I, Dayton, have both kind of talked as we've gone through Dragon Ball about the kind of like magical, mystical feeling that the world has prior to Dragon Ball Z. And this is another one of those moments where it's like this magical staff or this power pole was designed specifically to travel from Corin's tower to Kami's lookout because it just fits in a slot and then extends up into the clouds. <laughs> and, you know, of course we can, before we can see anything like that happen, Goku realizes that he lost the power pole in his fight with Piccolo and he needs <laughs> to go find it. <laughs> this part is kind of funny, but also feels like a little bit of a fetch quest sort of side quest. It's a little bit goofy, but Goku makes his way to back to the city where he fought King Piccolo. And uh, this is actually the one moment where the citizens of the city get to see their savior. But Goku has no time for their celebration. He's just looking for his power pole. Yeah, he's basically blowing them off when when they mob around him. He crawls out like through the mob, like under like between their legs and stuff like that. Goku has no interest in them, but we do get the next step of Goku's search where he actually goes to Baba to help him find where his power pole is because he can't find it at the battle site. And well, from here, Baba tells him that it's at Kame House. And so he goes to Kame House where he finds pretty much the entire gang there. And it's this, I don't know, it's supposed to be, I think, this big reuniting scene, but it turns into Goku showing up only looking for the power pole and kind of, I guess, finding it as like it was being used as a broom or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this... Part of me feels like, ah, oh, this is kind of unnecessary. This is like padding and filling time. But it also feels like an appropriate Dragon Ball gag, like this mystical, magical item, this powerful power pole that Goku's been carrying around with him gets 
turned into a broom handle. <laughs> it it is pretty funny. It is pretty it is pretty Dragon Ball. Well, uh Goku grabs the power pole and then kind of briefly spills all the beans about how he's training with Corrin and he's going to go up and he's going to meet Kame and he might be able to bring all, everybody back and then just runs out the door. And so everyone gets this like brief like three sentence overview of everything that Goku's working on. And then he leaves. Yeah. I, I kind of like this scene too, for that reason, because it gives some good characterization to Goku, which we all know Goku pretty well at this point, but this really hammers home the fact that Goku is all about training. He barely has a second to spare for his friends there. (laughs) It's, (laughs) it's, it's just kind of a funny scene. Oh, it it does make me laugh. Well, at this point, Goku has his power pole and uh, off he goes. And that pretty much wraps up that episode. I think the only thing that we probably want to touch on is that we do get to see mixed in with all of this, some brief glimpses of the egg that King Piccolo spat out across the distance at his moment of demise. And the egg actually hatches and we get to see a very small piccolo jr this little green alien looking guy who sets a house on fire with his magic powers uh but i think we'll get to see a little bit more of that moving forward yes little little evil green is is now unseen and (laughs) we now go into episode 124 which is the temple above the clouds and Goku returns to Korin's tower with power pull in hand. And he's given a bell by Korin, as well as instructions on how to use the pole to go meet Kame. And this is this is all happening pretty quick. Goku arrives back, he gets the bell, he gets his instructions, and he takes the power pole. And like how you had mentioned, he climbs up to the top of Korin's little lookout area and he sticks it in the slot. And he's going to start riding the power pole all the way up into the clouds. Yeah. And again, this is cool. This has that kind of mystical feeling. But as Goku's kind of riding into the clouds, he, I mean, one of the obstacles in this moment is the fact that he's basically being struck by lightning along the way. But he eventually does make it through the clouds and through the lightning where his power pole sticks into the bottom of what looks like a a large floating platform with a ladder that you more or less have to climb with your arms to get up to the top flat portion of the platform. And this is where Goku meets Mr. Popo. Yeah, and Mr. Popo is very mysterious. He's, you know, very calm. He's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, I don't know, very off-putting. But Mr. Popo tells Goku that he must defeat him if he's going to meet Kame. And so we get a match between Mr. Popo and Goku, and we see that Mr. Popo is not even breaking a sweat during this fight. He's basically just moving around Goku with zero effort. And Goku is basically tossed around like a rag doll. I I wouldn't even call this a fight. This is just a one-sided, just 
toying with another person's style of game. Oh yeah, this is a. I mean, this is a. It's not even really a beatdown. I think you you said it appropriately. Where Mr. Popo is just toying with Goku. Like it's clear that Mr. Popo, Mr. Popo, could beat up Goku with ease. Um, but it's it's not the goal here. And Goku tries multiple things, even tries a Kamehameha, which there's a pretty fun visual of Mr. Popo just literally eating the Kamehameha. (laughs) (laughs) I did think that was fun. Yeah. Uh, But we also kind of split this episode up again with seeing a little bit more of our evil green in Piccolo Jr., as he sees a young child being given presents. And this just makes him angry so he decides to run through the home destroying things he gets attacked by a a wild dog or animal that he blasts and kills with his what looks like a lightning key attack uh so our little piccolo is starting to figure out the extents of his power yeah and it's there's this bubbling evil that just always seems to be inside of this little green that we get to see and now he's starting to find out how powerful he really is and so we're going to start seeing him tap into that probably pretty soon here considering he's got the motive at this point he's pure evil now he's realizing he's got the power so this is this is evil green kind of putting everything together right now he's got the touch he's got the power <laughs> Um, outside of that, though, I do believe that's pretty much all that happens that episode. Yeah, I think we can jump forward to 125. Yes, which is God Appears. And uh, this episode continues with Goku, where we had left off the previous. And Goku is just being slapped around. It is not fun for Goku, and Goku is getting frustrated. Yeah, and this is interesting. I mean, we've seen Goku take take on multiple multiple mentors at this point uh, master roshi and Corin kind of prime among them mr popo i mean mr popo treats it a little bit like Corin, less like master roshi but mr popo's goal is not necessarily to help goku here in a way he's he's more of an obstacle for goku to overcome at least at first and we see yeah. goku and of. and Mr. Popo mentions that no matter how strong he gets, uh, there will always be somebody out there that's stronger than him. It's kind of this, I don't know, it's less of a physical training and more of a, I guess, a mental challenge that Mr. Popo seems to be presenting for Goku. He's always kind of, kind of poking and prodding his technique, his thoughts, his movements throughout this whoop down. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and so, you know, I think over time, Popo's kind of, he wants to teach Goku something. Uh, we do also get to see the rest of the, I guess the Z fighters or the gang, uh, begin some training of their own between Tien, Krillin, or sorry, just Tien and Yamcha at this point. Um, but Popo is continuing to tell Goku certain things like you need to kind of clear your mind um and goku's just struggling here and we also get to see a little bit of piccolo jr as well in a little almost like a star wars reminiscent scene of two guys on 
speeder bikes going through the woods, which is kind of fun. Oh yeah. And I have a note here that the, the, the voice acting for Piccolo Jr. is, uh, it is woof, woof. It is not one of the best. It's definitely interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually laughed out loud when I heard it. It does. <laughs> it's. I mean, if you're if you're going to be out there with the voice acting, just be way out there. Put a smile on my face. It definitely does that. It's pretty extreme. <laughs> um, I mean, they go with kind of like a. I don't know, like a nasally squeaky sort of voice for this like little alien kid. Yeah, it's really it's really not good. It's nasally squeaky and like really harsh at the same time. There's if you want to pick like every undesirable element in a voice and stick it into one thing, then I think I think this voice would pretty much match that. Yeah, more or less. There is an element to the training with Mr. Popo here where he's telling Goku to minimize his movements. And they actually do what a, a really cool cut to Master Roshi teaching Krillin and Goku where they're standing on these slender rock pillars and they each have a vase of water on their heads. And Master Roshi is moving around effortlessly without disturbing the water on his head but krillin and goku uh are not doing as well uh goku going so far as to just spill the entire thing on top of his head but i love getting to see this scene this is one of the elements of training that is just really fun and we didn't we haven't seen this one yet so i thought this was really cool yeah, and they they come up with good reason for it too, right? Mr. Popo tells Goku that because of the thin air so high up on the lookout, that energy is precious and that Goku needs to be more efficient with his movements. And that's the whole point of this kind of um, efficient movement, the balancing of the water. It's supposed to be getting your whole body kind of in line and not wasting any movement. Yeah, this is really fun. Uh, and so. Popo is starting to kind of take a liking to Goku here. And we get a moment where Kami actually is going to show his face uh, where Popo kind of takes Goku to meet Kami briefly. And as soon as Kami shows his face those of us who have watched dragon ball or dragon ball z we know the kind of green skin the antenna the i mean the basically exact likeness to king piccolo and that's exactly what goku thinks he sees kami and he says uh, you're king piccolo and he immediately goes on the offensive to attack him yeah and it's with the spitting image of King Piccolo in front of him, uh, Goku loses his mind and goes on the attack. And when you think about all the experiences that Goku just went through with King Piccolo, it makes a lot of sense. King Piccolo killed so many of Goku's friends and killed so many people. This response is justified. And I am glad that Goku lost control. This is the exact moment I would expect something like this to happen. Yeah, I actually liked this a lot too. And it's, especially if you if you have no knowledge of what happens 
moving forward with this. This is actually a really cool reveal because this is, I mean, Kami literally means God. And so this is the, this is the God of earth or the guardian of earth. And he looks exactly like demon King Piccolo, the creature who just tried to take over the earth. Uh, So this is a pretty cool, pretty cool dynamic, a pretty cool contrast between these two characters. Yeah. And Goku is eventually grabbed and calmed down before, you know, a battle can take place. And it's explained that Kame and Piccolo were once the same being. And Kame, when he was going to become the Earth's guardian, the arrogance and pride stood in the way of him becoming uh, Earth's guardian. It was what was it was deep inside of him. And so he wasn't permitted to become Earth's guardian. And so what he did is he decided to meditate and separate those flaws from himself. But in doing so, he created another being that was forged completely of those traits, which became Piccolo. Yeah, so the previous guardian of the Earth more or less wouldn't let Kami do it. But by expelling all of the evil from himself, the now good kami was allowed to become the guardian but this evil piccolo was left to ravage the earth so a little bit of a downside there that that's a whoopsie and yeah it's i mean i don't know i love it's such an old school style of storytelling and i don't know it was really unexpected if i hadn't seen like the future Dragon Ball um, episodes, I probably would have been caught completely off guard by something like that. So this would have been just one hell of a reveal. I think it's very good storytelling. I agree. I I really like this too, even seeing it in hindsight. But as they, as Kami and Popo kind of calm Goku down, they also reveal that there is a potential to to revive the or actually sorry yeah revive their fallen comrades um to bring back because we at this point in the story we're still missing krillin master roshi and chaozu they've they're still dead at the hands of king piccolo yeah and so kame decides to strike a deal with goku actually so this isn't just out of the kindness of his apparently pure good heart, this is uh, Goku agreeing to train with Kame until the next World Martial Arts Tournament. And in return, Kame will recreate the Dragon Balls so the Earthlings can begin to undo Piccolo's damage. And I also had like a side thought here because I haven't seen Dragon Ball. But it was at around this point I started thinking, I'm getting some pretty strong vibes that Kame wants to make Goku Earth Earth's new guardian. And there was just, just some weird vibes that I was getting where I was just like, Kame's being a little overly nice, I think, to Goku. I'm wondering if he wants to get more out of him. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good thought. I'm... I have seen Dragon Ball and I'm going to try not to spoil it for Dayton here, but <laughs> the uh, it is interesting the way that Kami decides to treat Goku. And I mean, 
I guess let me ask you this, Dayton. So in saying that, I guess what makes you think that Kami wants something out of Goku, whereas I don't like you didn't mention that with Corin. I know Corin's obviously not the guardian of Earth, um, and Corin maybe doesn't necessarily have a title or a role that needs to be taken over. But why did you feel like you never mentioned Corin wanting something from Goku, but you mentioned it with Kami? Well, I guess a couple things. One, Corn didn't really need Goku for anything, right? But in this situation, it seems like Kame needs Goku for whatever reason. And so if Kame needs Goku, I'm guessing it's probably something very big or very important. And considering Goku's a kid and very young, I don't think anything bad's happening to Goku. So I'm assuming something good's happening. And what could Kame give? Well, they've already depicted Kame. He's, he looks old. He looks like a very old creature, just like how Piccolo was very old, right? He wanted youth. He wished for youth. And so just kind of the way that these shows go, I just imagine it being, you know, like, all right, you're very young. You're very good hearted. I'm going to train you. And then like when I'm done here, I'm passing the mantle off to you. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I guess to your point, again, without me using any of my knowledge of what's to come, Corin never Corin never said Goku, I want you to stay here and train, or Corin never really asked anything of Goku. He just kind of reluctantly decided to train him. Whereas Kami said, I'll do this thing for you if you do this thing for me. It's like a little bit of a bartering there. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's really interesting. And Kame, I imagine, is getting something out of it. And it could be Kame's not powerful enough to defeat Piccolo. It could be Kame needs a replacement. And so I'll give you what you want, but I'm going to train you to be my replacement. And so that gives me three years or whatever it is for me to kind of help mold you. It's, I don't know, it got got me thinking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think for the most part on that revelation, it kind of brings us to the end of that episode. Yes, which brings us to episode 126. Shenron is revived. Guess what happens this episode? <laughs> I That is one thing that has always bothered me about Dragon Ball is sometimes those <laughs> episode titles are just... Oh boy, so just a little bit of a reveal. <laughs> Say, obscure a little bit. Come on, I want to watch the episode. Yeah. But uh, we have Piccolo, Evil Green, walking around in the ocean, just kind of being a jerk at the beginning of this one. Um, I guess he's got to mess with fishermen or something. Yeah, I mean, it, we're basically seeing Piccolo grow into his power, too. You can see him, like you said, you can see him walking on water. You see him using key attacks with... I, I mean, gaining a measure of expertise over them. So he's quickly developing his martial prowess. Yeah. And this is this is a very, very small amount of time. It's I can only imagine it's only been days, right? It's it couldn't have been that long. It has not been years. Yeah, 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 absolutely. If we're following the same timeline as Goku, you get the impression that it's probably been a, a few days since Piccolo's fall. But we do flip back over to Goku 
and Kame, who reveals a small broken clay model of Shenron that represents the Eternal Dragon. And he mentions that he had considered not bringing back Shenron since he had created the Dragon Balls to inspire acts of bravery and give people hope. And I thought that was awesome. But he also mentions that the hearts of men are easily corrupted. And so people were killing and stealing from each other to gain them. And Kame decided to change his mind after witnessing Goku's heroism and pure heart. This is cool. This is, like you said, this is good storytelling here. And I like that they give a reason for why the Dragon Balls exist. And then they also give, or Kami has a reason for not wanting to bring them back, which I wish that they would do more. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, and because of Goku, Goku is the prime reason that the Dragon Balls are going to be brought back and then as a result he can bring his friends back from the dead yeah and it once again just going back to that dragon ball is just this big mystical world with all sorts of mystery and magic behind it it's yeah all right well here's why the dragon balls were created here's what they were supposed to do and inspire and you know kame's pretty much god he was going to take them away. He was going to make sure that the Dragon Balls weren't a thing anymore. And it's interesting, the idea of having that magic just suddenly ripped away from your universe, right? Like how it changes the rules. I know we've talked about this, you know, how it would be a positive. But at this point in Dragon Ball, what the world would be like without that big quest driving everything forward. Yeah, absolutely. And... You know what? I I just thought about something that I want to touch on briefly. Does this what Kami says here about how the Dragon Balls were created and why they were created? Does this contradict the lore that Master Roshi dropped about the Dragon Balls and how they were? I think he said that they were broken off from like one giant Dragon Ball, one big shard or yeah, one big Dragon Ball that got split into multiple shards or something. Um, I don't remember the exact specifics, but I that, feel that like that story is wrong, though. Now, like we know that story is is to some degree false because we do now know the actual origin of the Dragon Balls. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, I think the reason I bring it up is because it's another point nodding to the world being like mystical and magical where even the lore sometimes is just like it's sometimes it's just wrong. Sometimes people are, have these tales or these legends that are just that they're, they're not true. So I I think that that's kind of funny that they weave that into the fabric of the Dragon Ball world. I do love that. It's, I mean, it makes the world, uh, it makes the world feel so much bigger and so much more deep when you have just stories that are around and some of them are true and some of them are false and you know, there is magic, but that magic can go away or maybe there was no magic the entire time, or maybe this ultimate fighting stick is actually just a way to go visit God. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. People just don't understand how certain magical items or legends work. It's really funny. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do believe that, it's at about this point that we see Mr. Popo just pull out a 
thing of glue and begin reassembling the clay statue. And I died laughing. I both love and hate this. I think I, I think I more love it because it's, it feels very Dragon Ball where it's like, ah, I guess we got to glue the mystical dragon back together. <laughs> uh, so with the, the eternal dragon Shenron glued back together, Kami breathes life back into it, and Shenron is alive once more. Yay! We have Dragon Balls again! Yay! <laughs> hey, hey, they're not very abused at this point, alright? I'm cool with them still. That's fair. I'll give you that. <laughs> I think also I wanted to uh, correct a mistake that I had made, I think in one of our previous episodes, where I had made a comment that the the Earth's Dragon Balls can only resurrect one person at a time, but that is incorrect. They have always been able to resurrect multiple people. Uh, so with the Dragon Balls now back as Dragon Balls, we actually see the stones that Balma and the others had turned back into Dragon Balls as Shenron is kind of like loosed back onto them. I think Kami even says that he he basically reset the timer more or less for the dragon balls because they had just been used by king piccolo uh but kami's letting the dragon balls be used again even though a full year has not passed yeah and so with balma and the gang having possession of all the the dragon balls and the timer reset i think we know what wish is coming and that's everyone's gonna be brought back to life but the thing that's interesting, though, is that Goku is not permitted to leave to see his friends or to help collect the Dragon Balls. And Kami reveals that it's because Piccolo is going to be at the next World Martial Arts Tournament. And that's why he's going to spend the next three years training is so that he can prepare to defeat him. Yeah, and this is interesting. Like, I mean... What do you think here, Dayton? So Kami is obviously the guardian of the earth. Kami has already shown that he can see and know a lot of different things, clearly able to see many things across the, the earth. But I don't think that Kami can see into the future. We definitely haven't been given that impression so far. So why do you think that Kami knows piccolo is going to be at this tournament uh my guess is because they're both cut from the same cloth he can kind of sense his feelings and emotions or whatever it's there's a soft mind link probably between those two so he probably knows piccolo's intentions to some degree that's kind of my mental like headcanon and justification for this i don't know that they ever fully express that but that was about the only reason that I could come to to understand also, why the, he would know that. I just what the show ending at the World Martial Arts Tournament because I know how many episodes are left. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I don't care what kind of BS they need to to stick in the show to make it happen. Just do it. It's beautiful and it's gonna work. Yeah. No. I I very much agree. And this. I mean, as we get to see all of this come to fruition with the dragon balls, uh, with Shenron getting resur or yeah, resurrected to, in order to resurrect our other Z fighters, uh, we get to see 
Chaozu, Krillin, and Master Roshi come back to life from their freezer capsules that their bodies have yeah. been stored in. <laughs> they were kept cold. Yeah, kept on ice, mm-hmm. uh, like a fine bottle of wine. <laughs> we do have another big reveal, though, at around this time. And it's when Goku, amidst all this news and information, has to run off to Tinkle real quick. Um, Popo brings up how, with the defeat of King Piccolo, Kami 2 will cease to exist. And it's just mentioned without a whole lot of context, but we we do know that Kame's fate is also tied to Piccolo's fate somehow. And Goku is now involved in this whole, I guess, evil and good circle that's happening right now. And so things get a little bit more complex. Yeah, that, this is so interesting because... If King Piccolo, Demon King Piccolo, had been killed by Goku without creating this reincarnation, spitting out this Piccolo Jr. egg, Kami would have died as well. Uh, But however this works in this universe, this sort of reincarnation with Piccolo Jr., uh, I guess the, the essence or the soul of Piccolo carried on, which means that Kami also got to continue to live extra life. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's also kind of a funny thing. Like it almost, I mean, what's to stop Piccolo Jr. From creating a reincarnation. If he almost gets killed, I guess you have to, (laughs) maybe you have to like completely destroy him or give him no opportunity to spit out an egg. I don't know. I mean, considering Piccolo had a giant hole through his, like, chest, I don't know where that egg came from, but they can find him somewhere. Life finds a way. (laughs) But at the end of this episode, we see Goku's training beginning, and we also see Yamcha, Tien, and the newly resurrected Krillin all beginning their training of their own. And so everything's kind of, in a weird way, back to normal right now. Yeah, and I think for the most part, that wraps up that episode. Yes, which brings us to episode 127, Faster Than Lightning. And we continue with Goku training at the top of the lookout under Mr. Popo's tutelage. Uh, We also see more training from Yamcha, Krillin, and Tien as they continue to push themselves under Master Roshi. And so it's, you know, it's kind of a wholesome, all the martial artists training under their master scene. Yeah, and I, uh, particularly for Goku, I like this because it's not, he's not doing physical training. He's doing mental training. He's actually having to meditate, which for Goku in this moment, at this stage of his life, uh, as a young, energetic kid who just wants to get stronger, this is a serious challenge for him. Yeah, it's, I mean, Goku has to sit there and be like Rock. And he's just, he cannot sit still. And so the first real training that Goku does to try and help him focus on his senses and calm down is trying to catch a cat blindfolded. Yeah. This is, this is really cool because this starts to touch on sensing energy, which is something we've only seen in like brief little glimpses up to this point. But this is, training for that skill specifically which i really like 
there's also uh besides just that the the meditating has a brief training section where popo is just kind of like picking at goku just a little bit as he like flicks these acorns at goku one hits goku in the head as he's meditating but another one zips past goku as he kind of dodges his head out of the way which i also really like with dragon ball super in mind because this gives almost just like a hint of a nod i know this was not planned or intended but it feels like it's connected to ultra instinct in a very distant sort of way yeah but why didn't goku dodge that one rock that krillin threw at him and and dragon ball when they were doing their super saiyan training because he didn't have ultra inside i don't know <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, so yes, we see Goku kind of tackling elements of his, I guess, training gaps with Mr. Popo, right? So it's the it's the calmness, it's the efficiency. It's not just strength or endurance or technique. It's mental training. And after catching some cats and some mental training, Goku asked to be trained like Kame. And Goku is warned that he will experience pain worse than death itself, but he accepts it anyway. I mean, that's a very Goku thing to do, uh, which turns into Popo taking Goku to the rainbow light show to teleport him across the world. (laughs) (laughs) So the rainbow light show is fired up and... uh, Goku is brought to Mount Rumble and he is tasked with fetching a sacred crown and placing it on his head, which seems simple enough, right? Yeah, it should be easy. I mean, Goku's climbed Korin's tower. So just like that, Goku sees the mountain he needs to climb. He uses bare hands, climbs the tower finds the crown so you know we assume all right mission accomplished that was easy but the second that goku puts this crown on his head he can't remove it and then lightning begins to strike down from the sky and attack him specifically yes and uh, goku's not having a good time he's being struck repeatedly and despite his attempts to avoid it he can't seem to to shake it and eventually he's struck down from the top of the mountain and goku is washed away in a small river where some young girl finds him unconscious yeah and this girl similar to the suno snow whatever you want to call her yeah. uh situation he gets taken back to the young girl's house where her family kind of takes care of goku uh and then goku I mean, he has some time to think on this whole situation, but eventually the young girl is able to sense a bird. She says that she can just feel the bird's presence. And this kind of gives Goku a little bit of an inkling as to what Popo was trying to teach him. This feels really shoehorned to me, but okay. So... Goku's like, all right, I'm going to sense the lightning and I'm going to give this another try, right? And so he heads back to the mountain, places the crown back on his head, lightning strikes at him, but this time he's able to sense it and he dodges it. Then he exclaims that he's the strongest in the world and gets zapped. 
<laughs> Which is pretty comical. I I do like I agree with you. I don't like the way that this training kind of like is implemented. It does seem a little shoehorned, but I also do like the fact that it's not just Goku got a little bit of a hint as to this training and now he's completed this training and now he's a master at it. No, he gets fucking knocked on his ass and <laughs> they they make sure that it's uh it's not just oh Goku's instantly and easily able to master this technique. <laughs> It's it's nice seeing him actually fall down a couple times. Yeah, but I think on him getting knocked out once more, that's pretty much the end of that episode. Yeah, that brings us to 128, and this episode is called As Quietly as the Sky. So, And Goku awakens in the lookout uh, after his Zeus-induced nap after three days, and Mr. Popo decides to switch up the training just a little bit. Yeah, and so this results in Goku getting teleported to a different location now. It seems like it's like an endless swamp that Goku kind of gets trapped in briefly. Uh, he, however, is able to use a Kamehameha to extricate himself from the swamp. And then Goku decides, you know, I really need to find some food. Uh, and he finds. Well, it seems like a, a cooked steak, but it's actually a trap for animals that he gets caught up in. So he gets pulled up into a net and the trapper comes to find him. Yeah, and the trapper actually turns out to be a a pretty good guy who decides to bring Goku back to meet his very, very large family who lived nearby in a giant house. And so Goku agrees to go back with them, and he's introduced to, what, like 10 other kids that live in that house? That's a lot. It's a full house for sure. And they're, the kids are basically waiting for their grandpa to get home, but they, they do let Goku know as he kind of expresses interest in finding someone powerful to fight that there is this man who lives in the woods who is the they say that he's the strongest man alive uh and goku says i don't care take me to him i want to fight him yeah and so grandpa leads goku to yao chun who's the strongest man in the area and he goes deep into the woods and mountains and comes across his little hut that sits just over a waterfall and he yao chun agrees to do battle with goku they square off and yao chun is completely destroyed in one hit it is not a fight goku's on a whole different level than this man yeah and <laughs> there's a little bit of a funny exchange where goku says i thought they said that you were faster than lightning and he's like nah i just tell people that so that i can scare them <laughs> <laughs> so at, at this point it goku realizes that this wasn't the challenge that mr popo intended him to complete yeah, and so Goku kind of at a bit of a loss, he goes back to the river nearby and then kind of out of nowhere, the grandpa appears like almost sneaking up on Goku, but just appears there with a fishing pole uh, and he asks Goku if he wants to give it a shot. And so the grandpa and Goku start fishing and the grandpa is giving Goku some tips like, Hey, you need to loosen your grip and this is how you do it. And Goku starts catching some fish. 
And there's an interesting cut to Popo and Kami where Popo is saying, I don't think that Goku's learning anything. Uh, he's yet to pick up anything here. And Kame's watching and says, oh, no, I think that Goku actually is getting something out of this. And he mentions that in the wake of Demon King Piccolo, there hasn't been a lot of ease and happiness. And he says that's kind of what Goku's getting out of this moment with this grandpa. Oh, and just like that, the 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 test is passed. Goku is good at fishing and happy. And yay? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know. I, I kind of liked the sentiment at the end of the episode. Um, I also kind of thought that this grandpa was going to be like, he was going to be the fighter, the challenger. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. He kind of has like a Master Roshi look to him and he kind of like appears out of nowhere and stuff. But I don't know. It was a nice little beat, I guess. For for me, I was wondering, was was the intent for Goku to do that the entire time to to I guess find the grandpa and go fishing? Was that the intent the entire time? Yeah, I don't know. I I'm curious if Goku maybe found like uh, his own way of completing this task or if Kami and Popo kind of had their own intent or maybe they just wanted him to have a moment to relax with this family. I don't know. I either way that leads us to episode 129, which is time traveling Goku. And I'm not going to lie. Um <laughs> I thought this episode was also weird. It's these are some strange episodes. Yeah, I gosh, I I feel the same. This basically turns into another (laughs) I'm going to say another spirit and time room where Popo sets a clock for Goku and says, "Okay, this is another part of your training. And he sends him presumably back in time or maybe into like a, a fake time travel where he gets to meet a young master roshi yeah and we see goku kind of begging uh young master roshi to bring him to his master mutai ito and young master roshi actually agrees and so Goku is brought to Mutaito and he actually challenges the master and a match begins, which that this is kind of crazy to me. It's interesting. And I mean, I can only assume that this is like a essentially an illusion. Like it, I presume that this didn't actually happen in Master Roshi's lifetime. Um, but Mutaito more or less fights Goku while staying in a seated position uh, and completely hands Goku his ass uh, using just a single finger and some spirit energy to knock Goku flat. Um, it's it's kind of fun to watch. It's kind of fun to watch Mutaito use his skills. I mean, it's kind of if you could use key to perfect the one inch punch, it's kind of what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, more or less. But this turns into Mutaito giving Goku some instruction. And there's actually a pretty cool scene where Mutaito shows how to use the spirit energy to split water as he 
uses it to completely drive a waterfall from side to side, revealing the rock behind it. Yeah, and it's it's this is such a foundational, I guess, moment for Goku because this is the beginning of spiritual power or key, you could say, and this is the beginning of that training, right? So this is this is going to have such long and profound effects going forward as far as Dragon Ball is concerned. Yeah, that's a really good point. Up to this point, the only way that Goku has really used key is through the Kamehameha. I I mean, can you think of any other way that he's used it? I, I can't think of any other way. I feel like there might be something, but I can't think of anything right now off the top of my head. I do know the one interesting thing I remember is after he drank the, the super holy water or whatever, he was able to sense Piccolo's like energy. That's true. You're right. You're right. So we have that, but that's not really like using key, but it is alluding to it. It's yeah, it's maybe like an underlying skill of understanding key control. Um, and it's it's kind of what Goku's been training with Popo to do to better understand how to sense people's energy. Yeah, but after this training, we get basically some love storyline with young Master Roshi, Master Crane, and they have a crush on a uh, a woman named Fan Fan who's part of their school, I think it seems like. And Master Crane decides to abduct Fan Fan. And uh, yeah, and so Goku and young Master Roshi have to go save Fan Fan. And they show up and they, I don't know, set the field on fire. And Fan Fan's going to get burned up. And uh, yeah, Goku has to use his spiritual energy to part the flames and save Fan Fan. And then Master uh, Mutaito shows up and the day is saved. Yeah, this is like Dayton said, we're kind of rushing through this episode because it's, it's goofy. The spirit control is neat. And that's about the the one good takeaway from this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's also like it's like you said, I think it's an illusion or something. It's not actual time traveling. The only real re- relevance is what Goku learns from this episode. All the other story aspects are, aren't terribly important. Right, exactly. It's not going to have an impact on the story going forward. We do from there go into episode 130, which is Goku's opponent is Goku. And this one, I don't mind because it leans into that mystical, magical nature of Dragon Ball just a little bit more. It, did we need a whole episode on it? Probably not, but it is pretty fun. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, the the general gist of this episode is Goku wanting a training partner. And so Popo, using a doll and Goku's hair, creates a copy of Goku to fight Goku. Uh, but the, the, the trick here is that the copy seems to be better at sensing energy than Goku is, or Goku's just struggling to sense his opponent, which is giving the the copy an advantage. Yeah, and I believe uh, Popo also mentions that the because the the doll doesn't really have thoughts, it doesn't have wasted movement or action, so it's just more efficient than Goku. And right. 
we we get this long drawn out fight where Goku's essentially losing the entire time. Um at the beginning, he was losing quite a bit, and then he kind of evens it out, but we see Goku kind of being pushed back and, and worn down. Um, they fight pretty much the entire day, and by sunset, Goku's breathing hard, and the doll's still just ready to go, right? It's the Energizer Bunny. It doesn't stop. Yeah, and Goku's... I mean, Goku's getting some some prompting from Popo. Popo's saying, you need to finish your mental training. We'll double back to this fight once you've completed it. But Goku's, I mean, we know Goku. He's stubborn. He's not going to give up. He's not going to let a doll beat him. Heck no. And and so he just continues fighting long into the evening. And eventually when he just, he just stops thinking, he tries to, to blank his mind and remove any distractions. He's able to dodge copy goku and return and attack with ease uh and finally as he tries to implement this even further closing his eyes trying to sense the copy goku he dodges once more and then delivers a flurry of blows which makes him victorious but popo says there's a little caveat Yep, uh, it turns out that the doll had actually just run out of energy. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of fun. Like I said, did it need to be a whole episode? No, but I think there are some fun aspects to it. And it's I mean, it adds to that kind of mysteriousness of the world a little bit. There's different kind of magics that we haven't seen before, whatever you want to call it. And I I like the idea of the doll. I do like the idea of it kind of shows a version of Goku that's more efficient than his current form, right? It kind of helps set a bar that's higher than the current one. Because the whole time, Mr. Popo explains that the doll is the exact same. Um, it's just as strong as you are. The doll is not stronger than you. It's just more efficient than you. Yeah, I I like that moment and that call out too. And yeah, while the, I mean, the evil copy or doppelganger copy of the the protagonist and having to fight it is like a worn out trope at this point. I mean, this is coming from the 80s. So this is, I don't think it was as worn out at this time. Um, and it's another thing that I want to point out here is that almost every piece of this training that Goku is has undergone throughout these episodes, he's failed at, which I actually really like that. I like, there's a part of me that wants to see some resolution to Goku's training and see like him actually achieve and accomplish it. But I also like that he doesn't just immediately master all of these things with ease. Yeah. And it's, the 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 struggle is what makes reaching the end so meaningful right it's the more you struggle to achieve something the the greater the satisfaction of that achievement and so when goku's consistently handed things on an episodic basis where he trained an episode he can do this now that doesn't mean much but when he spends several episodes building towards something and then you actually get to see it come into play that's that's exciting and it's something that 
usually Dragon Ball has like one big overarching story with Goku that has that big build towards it. And I don't know. I think that's why it kind of keeps you hooked, right? It's the, oh, wow, Super Saiyan, right? Like, holy crap. Oh, wow, Ultra Instinct. Am I right? Holy crap. Like, there's they're always kind of spending the entire season building towards something. And I mean, at this point, I think we're it feels like we're getting to that big reveal here soon. And this is kind of the the final training mile right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that pretty much takes us to the next episode. Yes, which is episode 131, each on his own path. And I'm not going to lie. This is uh, going to be a filler arc. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these we can just zip through these episodes because they're not important (laughs) (laughs) yeah go ahead and take it away there's just one quote i want to find real quick yeah absolutely so since we've gotten to see goku's training this these next two episodes focus on tien chaotzu krillin and yamcha and their training because they also are preparing for the World Martial Arts Tournament in three years, and they don't want to get left in the dust by Goku. So they're getting Master Roshi to help them. They're doing their own stuff, traveling. They eventually decide they want to go to Korin's Tower and do training there because that's where Goku got so strong. But they need to figure out how to find it first. And in their travels, they end up finding a a village that uh, it's just having these parties, um, but it eventually is under in danger from an erupting volcano. And so our heroes have to figure out a way to prevent this volcano from destroying the entirety of the town. And outside of a little snippet of, Goku training with Popo and them being blindfolded and playing tag that pretty much sums up this episode. Yeah. And I didn't find the whole quote, but I just wanted to emphasize the reason why Tian Yamcha and Krillin left uh, Roshi is because Roshi tells them that if they want to be able to compete with Goku, they're going to have to elevate their training and they can't do it there with him. And so that was their big motivating factors. Roshi kind of like snaps and yells at him like, I've taught you everything I can. If you want to learn more, you're going to have to leave. So it's kind of, you know, dad kicking the kids out of the house. Yeah, I actually do like that. I like that Roshi's like, Goku's gone through all different kinds of training. I've given you my training. I've given Goku my training, but you guys need to go find and diversify yourselves. Which is awesome. I love that. It's such a strong message, right? And it's, yeah, sure, Master Roshi is a master, but he doesn't know everything. You're you're gonna have to go out there and learn something that isn't just what he knows. It's it's really cool. I love that he he gave him that message. Yeah, I I like that a lot too. I think that mostly takes us to the next episode to wrap up this little mini arc. Yeah, which is episode 132, Hotter Than Magma. The Here's the part two of the mini arc, and it's Krillin, Yamcha, and Chatsu and Tien go to fight some lava while Goku continues his training with uh, Popo. And it's with Goku, it's mostly just driving home the idea of sensing and not just seeing, right? Like that's 
this episode and the previous episode, it's just learn to see without your eyes. It's sense energy. And they're just going through just little little snippets of training with it that were just kind of spoon fed. Um, but yeah, we find out that key blasts uh, don't defeat lava. Crazy. Um, and so our four side heroes decide to split up to save the day, each doing their own thing. Um, Krillin moves some rocks. Uh, Tien digs a hole and Yamcha is trying to redirect a waterfall towards the lava. Which one of these plans do you think works? Uh, <laughs> C, C. <laughs> yes, it's yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, the, the waterfalls redirected and the day is saved. But the mountain ain't done. And now our heroes need to cross their key beams to defeat the mountain. <laughs> it's It's a ridiculous story arc. Like the hilarious thing and i'm kind of like scrubbing through this episode right now some of the animation for this episode is really good like they put way too much time animating the characters in this episode that has no consequence whatsoever <laughs> it's it feels like they cared about this episode like yeah we're going to give these side characters their big moment but it's really not a big moment it's just I don't know. It's so side questy that it's it's kind of disgusting. Yeah, it's painful. These are some of my least favorite episodes. Um, but <laughs> the the good thing is that that is the last episode in the heavenly training arc. Uh, this kind of wraps up. This is more or less like a whole training montage covering. I mean, it seems like it's a short period of time, but it's mostly supposed to give us a taste of what happens in the three years between the defeat of King Piccolo and the 23rd World Martial Arts Tournament. So with that in mind, what did you think about this arc as a whole, Dayton? So as a whole, right, it's this arc needed to exist because I, we needed to see how all of our characters hit the next level, right? Like, how are they going to improve? What's the next step for them? Um, so I don't mind the the necessity of this arc. However, the execution is not my favorite. I don't really care about Volcano Time. Um, I don't know what the lesson was there or what was learned or what was going on. That was definitely you know, copy of Vegeta level of importance. Um, and we we do get some really good moments with Goku, uh, I guess, training his mind and really developing himself into, I guess, a well-rounded warrior. And I like some of that. Some of it does feel a little bit drawn out, and not very important, or maybe even a little convoluted. Uh, so... I mean, I'm not a huge fan of some of the stuff they did. I am a big fan of some of the stuff they did. It's this is a very average arc to me, and which is disappointing because I felt like this should have been the zenith of Goku's training in Dragon Ball. This should have been something really special, and it really came off as really average. Yeah, and I'll be honest, this might be my least favorite arc in the original Dragon Ball so far. It felt to me, and I agree with you, it feels like it should have been important. It feels like, I mean, watching them do training is interesting, and I like that Goku is doing specific training to understand key control and to train his mind rather than just his body. But 
90% of this to me felt like it was filler. It felt like it wasn't going anywhere. It felt like it was just there to pad time. And the pacing doesn't feel great. Like it's, what is this? 10 episodes where there's not a lot of forward progress. And I know we get, we need to figure out or see and understand why and how our characters are getting stronger, but I feel like they could have done that better, especially with Yamcha, Tien, Chaozu and Krillin. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's for me, it's not a case of, of disliking what they were trying to do. It's just, for me, it's all in the execution. I, I would have loved just a really good training montage through here and maybe the characters learning something new and getting some new techniques and becoming more dynamic like yeah heck yeah spend 10 episodes and making all of our characters more interesting do it add some flavor to it like in the background and give me some more about what piccolo is doing maybe how he's going to be different this next time or something like if you want to spend 10 episodes and that sort of stuff like build up then heck yeah i'm all about it but i I should have left this arc feeling hyped. And instead I'm just like, thank God that filler is over. Yeah, exactly. And I'm actually going to compare this to some other shonen that do training arcs where I've been really jazzed and excited to see those training arcs like Hunter X Hunter or even Naruto, like Naruto when Naruto is learning the, Rasengan and he uses multiple clones to practice the Rasengan to expedite his training with it. That's really cool. Or one that Dayton's probably more familiar with in Demon Slayer, where Tanjiro has to figure out a way to split or destroy a rock with his sword. And he just, uh, he's completely incapable, but has to overcome this un, uh, this impossible obstacle those are really cool. Those have either really ingenuitive and thought-provoking ideas for how they train and learn these techniques, or they have stakes like an impossible challenge to overcome. And I don't feel like this training arc really gives us much of that. I'll I'll give it a little bit for the key control training. That's like the only plus in this arc's favor in my opinion yeah and you're absolutely right with the um i guess the way they they portrayed the training versus the demon slayer which i'm a huge fan of and you get to see like you really get to feel the struggle of the character in their training right you get to see they show his hands and they're bloodied up and blistered and you see the emotion from his face and the character like you start caring about this character and their struggle right and it, he's just trying to hit a rock but yeah. they found a way to make that an important issue and for some reason just dragon ball just didn't hit and dragon ball can hit with training like that right it's the the training on king kai's planet is one that always comes to mind for me that big next upgrade then you look at the training with goku and master roshi and the training with goku and corn is he gonna get the water and oh my gosh what what's in the water and then you find, i don't know man there's they've done it better already in the same series so the fact that this should have been the zenith of that and what we got was very ugh, i don't even know if it's me it's not mediocre for dragon bar ball it's subpar unfortunately 
Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I mean, I I brought in those other newer, more modern anime and their training arcs, which maybe is an unfair comparison, especially because Dragon Ball has almost been the forerunner for those other anime to kind of build off of. But it's, I mean, seeing more modern anime with more modern training arcs like that and going back to Dragon Ball, I mean, some of these, like Dayton said, some of these training arcs do hold up. Like the training arc with Master Roshi was fantastic. But this one does not hold up. The execution is just not there. And that's not to say that I was offended by this arc or anything like that. It's just... For me personally, I had very high expectations for this arc, especially since we're going to meet Kame, right? Like we're going to meet God, basically. And we get this kind of subpar training arc with Mr. Popo. All right. And you bring up another good point that I wanted to touch on, too, in that we do meet Kami and we kind of, I mean, it, it, this arc is literally called the heavenly training arc, but there's never any true training with Kami. There's never any real training with the God of earth himself, which I thought was a real, it was just a true disappointment for me too. I have no problem if I have to train with Popo and then, you know, work my way up to Kami like that. I'm exactly. fine with that, but are we not getting it? Like, are we getting no one-on-one with Kami? Like, is 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 it done now? Like, does Goku just, are we going to fast forward three years now? And then <laughs> what's going to happen next? I mean, I don't know. I'm confused. I need some answers here. I need to watch more Dragon Ball. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, we will definitely get some more answers as we move into the, the next arc. But yeah, I, I was a little bit... Uh, this this one kind of fell flat for me. Um, I, now, with that in mind, we're coming up to the tail end of Dragon Ball here. We're probably going to have two more podcast episodes that cover the rest of Dragon Ball. And that's going to be the Piccolo Jr. arc or the 23rd World Martial Arts Tournament. Uh, and the... Well, we won't spoil the, the final arc, but... This might be the most hype or maybe even my favorite and probably a lot of people's favorite arc coming up. So while I was a little bit disappointed with this training arc, I'm super pumped to get into the next one. It sounds like we're on a real roller coaster of uh, of arcs right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, that's that's mostly all I had to say about that one. Did you have anything else to say about this arc, Dayton? No, let's let's get on the hype train, baby. I'm looking forward to the next one. Hell yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, that's it for this episode of Instant Transmission, where we discuss everything Dragon Ball. This has been your host, Todd and Dayton. Be sure to join us next time as Goku gains enough height to match his increase in power in the Piccolo Jr. arc. Oh, he's growing. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Goku and the gang have finished their three-year training montage, and it's time to put those new skills to the test in the 23rd World Martial Arts Tournament. Oh, I'm so excited. Big Goku, big tournament. Oh, yeah. Who's going to come out on top in this ruthless competition? What does Piccolo want with the tournament? 
are old men with mustaches world-class martial artists every one of them find out a next time and to all our fellow dragon ball fans stay safe out there and remember to keep rocking the dragon Man, I love Little Green. Little Evil Green. Little Green!